Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome to Encounter Grace. We're glad you're here. I'm Jason McKnight, and I have with me Ben Hendricks. Ben, welcome. Thanks for having me. Student pastor here at Grace. We love it. Today we're going to explore... Well, we love it. I don't know if you love it. Well, I always do. <laughs> Today we're going to explore this question. How Lent could change your life? How Lent could change your life? What are we talking about this for? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, one, just because of the time of the year. Because as we're approaching Lent, I think we need I'm a... clearly low church if I didn't remember that. Oh, no. It, well, I only remember because we spent so much time in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nice. Uh, but I, I think as we're approaching Lent and then uh, therefore approaching Easter, right. I think we need a better right. understanding of what in the world Lent is mm-hmm. and how it actually could change our lives. Right. Because I, my my fear is that many of us have just reduced Lent to, oh, that's what this one, th- this group of people do. Sure. And we've moved past that and we don't need it anymore. But Lent ultimately is this this time that's that's meant to often in fasting or in, we often use the word ritual or rhythms that help prepare you for the Easter season, mm-hmm. specifically for that Holy Week that's supposed to cultivate your heart. And so so really Lent, as we prepare for, for Holy Week, for Easter, for Good Friday, uh, preparing our heart, really we're using it as an excuse to get into this whole idea of um, outward changing the inward. Mm. So you keep taking us down that road. Yeah. So again, like the outwardly, the outward changing the inward, the things that you do can affect your heart. And we'll get into that in a moment. But I think to kind of frame it, the big question of why Lynn is so important, why can it change your life? Why are we talking about it now is how do rhythms and rituals affect your walk with Christ? How do rhythms and rituals affect your walk with Christ? And what right. we'll touch on in a little bit is your everyday life and why it will change your life, both spiritually as well as your job, even your marriage mm-hmm, and your family mm-hmm. and on and on. Great. So my, here's here's the problem, and let me kind of frame it this way. I yep. think we, again, often have really bad viewpoints when we hear the word ritual. We, it's true. We go one way or the other. We go to one extreme or the other. The two extremes are the over-ritualized. Mm-hmm. We think of really fancy cathedrals. We think of gowns. We think of... All these like Medieval stained glass, yeah. Doing crazy all stuff. all these um, these crazy things, and we kind of pass that off as like, oh, they're over ritualized because they're just doing those things because they have to, or they've always done those. They don't have any real meaning. Empty. They're empty. Ah, uh, yeah. So there's there's that side, but then you go all the way to the other extreme, which is the 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 non ritualized, hmm. which is the the low church, right, where right. there there's almost right. no ritual at all. At least they don't they don't. Claim it as that because no what we formal. know is that we, there are some at some point, mm-hmm. the amount mm-hmm. of worship songs you have and all of that stuff. But these are the ones that are seem very much more practical or very hidden more in there. And the, and, they, and there's just there's there's a lack of ritual that's supposed to cultivate your heart specifically, and that's like designed for that. Yeah. And like you said before, oh, we've moved past that. There's a sense of well, we don't need the rituals because because yeah. they're only thinking of those medieval priests over ritualized yeah. with empty hearts. Yeah. So they go the, they go way to the other extreme. I got yep. you. So you're talking about in the middle. Yeah. And I, I think that's where the Lord has us, mm. where he often does. And so the problem is, 
I think in both, we're, we misunderstand the intent and purpose of rituals and rhythms. So I actually think we need a better theology and a better understanding of rhythms and rituals. Huh. Because, and I know we don't have time to go through all of, or even most of it today, but all throughout Scripture, we see the Lord using rhythms and rituals well, that's a good to point. influence His people and to cultivate, ultimately, to cultivate their hearts. We can look to the Old Testament. We can look to the New Testament. We can look to Christ. Rhythms and rituals God uses to cultivate hearts. So we need a uh-huh. basic understanding of what a ritual or a rhythm is, right. which is an action, something that you do with the intent to cultivate your heart. So Say there, that again. An, it's something that you do. Yep. So an act that, that with the intent to cultivate your heart. And I'll give you a little uh, even clearer one, okay. a, another one in a minute. Uh, I, what, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years from the author James K. Smith, You Are What You Love. I obviously love this book because I bring it up all the time. You are what you love. Uh, but the big idea is that, that we are people who are defined by what we love, not just mm-hmm. what we think that the modern idea of we're just brains on sticks, but mm-hmm. that we're hearts. And we, yes, we're mind, but we're so much heart and, and our actions are ultimately influenced by mm. what we love. Our affections, our heart. Yeah. Yep, so in other you. words, the things you love most are the things that motivate you most. It's what pushes huh. you forward. Like, look, if you love donuts, you're willing to get up and go get one. Right. And, yes. But if you or two. Lo- yeah. But if you love that other thing more, you're willing to go do that. Like what you love the most I just happen to love donuts, uh, <laughs> influences the actions, the thought, the steps that you take, yeah. the things that you do. Here's the good news already. If our, if our heart is our primary motivator, we can actually practice what we love. Hmm. That's good news. Because it's not just this thing that we have to hope like, man, I just really wish I loved this more. You can actually help guide yourself. You can practice to help cultivate your heart to love something. Huh. That's unbelievably good news. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, because we kind of feel like, oh, well, the heart does what we what reason knows not or whatever that yeah. thing is. And, well, it's just going to go, and I just fell in love, and it's like something that I have no control over. But actually, you're saying we can actually help our hearts fall in love with certain things. Yeah, and I'm... A- And primarily the Lord is the one who changes hearts, right? Mm -hmm. But we Mm -hmm. see it all the way through practical things. I mean, from exercise to to eating right, to the the steps that we take to create good marriages, to financial, like the financial world, you can actually cultivate, like through little steps, cultivate a heart that wants those things more than just putting, just Mm -hmm. doing them Mm -hmm. without the heart behind it. So... What rituals, rhythms, and Lent are and Lent are all about is practicing what we love. Hmm. It's that cultivating of our heart to push forward to love something eagerly, to love it well, to want it, to desire it. So another kind of helpful idea or rendition of what rituals and habits are, it's the repeated action uh-huh. with intended purpose. Repeated action with intended purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the repeated action, the whatever the habit or the ritual is mm-hmm. with the goal in mind, with the intended purpose, because you're not just saying, let's just toss in some stuff and hopefully it cultivates my heart. Right. Right. But you want to know what the goal is in mind. And then what are the steps it takes to get there? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what our friends in uh, liturgical churches would say when they love yep. the Lord and they and they rejoice in the um, the liturgy as the service unfolds in a similar pattern. I mean, it's always a little bit different, but a similar pattern, and they rejoice in that pattern that yep. warms their heart to the Lord. Absolutely, and one of the, I think the clearest examples for me of this was you know when I first came on staff here. I remember we I got a little overwhelmed with all of the the ministry of mm. students, parents, leaders, and events. And there were, I found quickly what I was good at and what I wasn't so good sure, at. Sure. And so I actually had to figure out what the goal was. I want to get this event planned. Okay, how do I break this down into steps? Mm. How do I set up these rhythms and these routines that help me along the way to get there, to be a better communicator, to be a better pastor, to love people well and to shepherd mm. them? And some of those can look like things that are all very connected and some that are not. Right. Like sometimes you just don't want to go into work because you don't feel like a winner that day or you don't feel like you can, you're, you don't feel like you have anything to give. One of the things that helped me out in that was in the mornings I have a routine hmm. that, look, this will sound crazy to some people, but the fact that every morning I know that at 6.30 I start a workout and at 7.30 it ends, and by seven o'clock, my coffee is done and I've successfully, successfully taken a shower and now I get to right. go do my quiet time. Like I have a routine and a rhythm that I know at nine o'clock when I get into work, I've already accomplished things. Right. Then I just get to live into what I've already been doing. I found through my own life, this kind of this idea that vision leaks and rhythm builds. Hmm. Hmm. Vision leaks. We often lose sight of where we ultimately want to go when it's too far down the road. Yeah. But when we have good <clears throat> rhythms and rituals and habits, that builds you. Success at one thing usually will bring success at another. That's exactly. If I feel right. if I was successful at that, maybe I can be successful at this. Mm-hmm. And it, there's that snowball effect. It's the classic yeah. saying: the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. You can break it down. How do you be successful over? How do you create these habits? How do we move forward? Mm-hmm. So it's the, it's the I want. I'll, maybe you want to get healthier. So you start working out and eating better. Mm-hmm. You break it down. Mm-hmm. So those are the, those are the habits I'm going to have. I'm going to stop eating this. I'm going to start eating more of this. So maybe you want to get the promotion at work. I'm going to go in earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to my boss. I'm going to ask about this. I'm going to start doing extra tasks. And you have to choose to go in earlier and yep. ask for extra work, but over time you don't have to choose that. It becomes yep. part of your rhythm. And that's rhythm. part of it. Yeah. Yep. It becomes that rhythm. And and it's it's creating those good habits, like mm-hmm. making the habit that if you want to improve your marriage, you're going to start communicating in this way or being open with this. Well, let me talk a little bit then, because you've been leading us into an, and starting to use the language of habits and routines, but you've really been talking about rituals and rhythms yeah. and and this this broader sense of of forming our hearts somewhere I'd love to bring in habits and routines and seasons as these five words that all kind of go together hmm. and they all share the same type of characteristics so if you think of a concentric circle and habit is at the middle and then yeah. you go out a little bit to routine and then to rhythms and rituals and seasons but they all are of a like. They share characteristics. Yeah. We do them repeatedly. We can do them such that we don't have to think about them. And they form us as we do them. Mm. Now that's true of habits all the way through to seasons, which we'll get to at the end. But 
But um, from habits to routines to rituals to rhythms, seasons, we do them repeatedly. We can do them such that we don't have to think about them anymore. And they form us as we continue them. Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit. Yep. And um, he talks about how do we... So let's just go right to the smallest one for a second. How do we form habits? And his whole point is just like ours. So in his book, The Power of Habit, it's the same as ours. It's like, how do we get the right practices in our lives in place so we don't have to think about them, but they affect great change in our lives, positive change. And he describes the cycle of forming habits as there's a cue which prompts an act which leads to a reward. Hmm. There's something that alerts you and that prompts you to do something and then you're rewarded for it. I mean, a super simple one is, you know, you wake up in the morning and you've got morning breath and your wife doesn't want to kiss you. <laughs> I mean, so there's your cue, you know. Is so this one you... hitting close to home? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you come to work and we don't want to kiss you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so the cue is you're not going to kiss. So it prompts an act, the brushing of the teeth, you yeah. know. So the fuzz is gone and the mong breath is out of there. And then the reward is your wife wants to kiss you. Well, look, you have to choose. I mean, hopefully you're not married, still not brushing your teeth in the morning. Sure. <laughs> but just to say... It's a silly example, but the point is after two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, that brushing of the teeth in the morning is just a habit. You don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And actually, it's very fun to watch this in kids as you start them on these good habits of, uh, of brushing the teeth and then they become sort of teenagers or, or you know middle schoolers or whatever and putting on deodorant. Well, like, yeah. you have to do that, please, or don't come to dinner. Please. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but... But then you don't have to tell them after three months. It's just part of their habits. They don't even know they're putting on deodorant. It just happens. It's part of your... Habits morph into... When you string habits together, that's a routine. That's that next concentric circle Mm. out. And you string them together, and uh, and now you have a routine. So what is your routine to get you out the door in the morning? You know, well, like, you know, it, the alarm goes off. It's the teeth in the toilet. It's the coffee in the Bible. It's the, the working out for you and not for me. Uh, it's the shower and the shave. It's the breakfast or no breakfast. Yeah. Kiss the dog and away you go. Yeah. I mean, but you know what? You're not thinking everything of those. You're just doing them because it's part of your string of habits that now is this routine that gets you out the door. Or the routine at the start of the workday. So here at Grace, you already, yeah. you already mentioned, like working at Grace. Here at Grace, on a Monday morning, we have a practice that all of us kind of know what we want to do the first kind of hour, hour and a half. We call it the spark plug, kind of to yeah. spark plug the week. These Just these simple routine tasks that we can all, by, by 9.30 or 10 o'clock, have a bunch of wins in our column. (laughs) You know, they're just simple things. The whole point is that we get into a routine of getting stuff done. And so we got the spark plug and every, you know, maybe once a year we kind of talk about it. What's your spark plug? And let, you know, but the idea is these change our lives as we do them. Habits, habits strung together become a routine. By the way, there's bad habits too. Amen. I was a nail biter. You know, nice. in elementary school, into high school. I don't know how it started, but I was a nail biter. And my fingers would just go into my mouth and I'd bite the nails. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It took forever to stop the bad habit. Like habits yep. form you. It's true. And I'm telling you, it takes forever to stop good habits too. Maybe not quite as much, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then the, let's go back to that big question then. So yeah. we've talked about rhythms and rituals and how they 
can implement us in the ideas to cultivate our hearts for the Lord. Okay. How then do rhythms and rituals affect your walk with Christ? I think that's a really important question to ask and then to be able to answer that we need to have rhythms and rituals that are in our lives that are pushing us to love the Lord more. Mm -hmm. Or how about to to steer away from certain things that often the best way to cultivate our hearts is to kind of push away the things that often lead us away. You're right. Like there's just certain You're right. precautions I have to take to steer, to help steer my heart and my eyes and other yep. things away from things that, you know, I, unfortunately I'll like my sinfulness will, will mm-hmm. often run off to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to create habits yes. and build rhythms that put me in places to to win mm-hmm. and to be obedient, yep. not for the just the, this empty sake of obedience, but in a heart-filled place of obedience of one that's ultimately is cultivating my heart where I love the Lord more after. Mm-hmm. Like So I think we, we need to begin to understand that it's not just with our work. It's not, it's not just with our morning routines. But it's with even the most important thing I think that's a part of our lives, our walks with the Lord, that rhythms and rituals can set us up for success. Yeah. No, they do set us up for success. You're right. Yeah. And we need, maybe we need yeah. more of them. Well, I always say, if I had to choose every day mm-hmm. if I'm going to have a devoted time with the Lord, if I'm going to open the Bible, read it, think about it, talk to the Lord about it, and then pray some... If I had to make that choice every day, probably five out of seven days, I would not have a quiet time. <laughs> I'm just not that spiritual. Yeah. But because it's part of the routine, because it's part yep. of what, you know, what is the course of action that forms my heart and I don't have to think about it, it's just then I end up in the in the word with the Lord in prayer you know, five out of seven days instead of one yep. or two out of seven days. And I think that's such the key is it, it rhythms, rituals, routines, like there's that kind of line where you kind of have to, you have to try and you do it and you go, man, I don't, I don't know if I love this. I don't know if it's for me. And man, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, gosh, I feel like I'm a little forcing this, but Lord, I expect you to like, I, I'm just awaiting you to do something with this. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden in a month or in a couple of weeks, in a month, in a couple months, it does become a part of your life. Yeah where you're living into the momentum that it keeps for you. There it is. Yeah. Like it, you, where you stop having to try to live into it, but you're just living into it. Mm-hmm. And it's such a helpful place to, I think, to be and to live in. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go one step farther. Yeah. So we've been, we've been talking on the, on the habits and routines and rhythms and rituals, and let's just add in the seasons then and think on an annual basis. And this is how we get back to Lent. Yeah. Because Lent is upon us. Seasons are what God has given to the, the course of the world uh, that, that change, but they're a pattern. Hmm. Like every year, it's summer, fall, winter, spring. Every year, it's you know, sowing, waiting, weeding, harvesting. Yep. <laughs> you know, every right. year, you do the same thing. These patterns form us. And so in the church year... What are the patterns? And that's where Lent comes in. Lent yep. leads to Palm Sunday, 
which leads to Holy Week, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. And this week of the year is the climax in the church year as we think of Christ on the cross and the resurrection. Advent leads to Christmas, and then that leads to Epiphany. You yeah. know, and, and, and we kind of get Advent a little better because, hey, Christmas carols and from Thanksgiving onwards, it's yeah. holidays and parties. And like, even if you don't, in that Advent season of preparation, do anything specific to prepare, there's enough kind of overflow of, of hearing Christmas music and yeah. buying presents that you're kind of getting ready for the gift of gifts. There's a reason we get so excited for yeah. it. Yeah. How do we get ready for Holy Week? How do we get ready for Good Friday? How do we get ready for Easter Sunday? You know... That's why I think the Lord's given us this gift of Lent, which honestly I'm growing into. Yeah. Of okay, how do I prepare in a special way? Because all well, 365 days are special, but maybe some are more special than others. Well, I think I might have an easy okay, one yeah. for you. That, and when I say easy, I mean one that I really struggle with and can almost never fully do because I just struggle with it. How about fasting? Yeah. Just <laughs> so Lenten practice of fasting. Yeah, like a, like, and not even just not fasting for 40 days here. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is maybe just start off small. And uh-huh. so maybe one day a week. Right. And maybe during daylight. Yeah. And, but there's all kinds of different fasting. So maybe, huh. maybe we need to kind of understand what the, I think the purpose Which is. Which is where giving up something for Lent comes from. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like you gave up sunflower seeds. <laughs> I was so spiritual <laughs> and wanted to impress this person. <laughs> So I think it's just important to remember that fasting is not about denying yourself. Mm-hmm. It's about satisfying yourself in God. Like that's a good distinction. It's helpful. Yeah. Fasting is not about the physical pain, but the spiritual pleasure. Mm. Often we remove the physical pleasure and we get a deeper grasp of spiritual pleasures. Because it drives us to yep. think more. That's yep. good. It, and it, yeah, it drives us forward and, draw, and draws us in. So maybe we can fast from something. Mm-hmm. What yeah. What do you think? So, yeah. So thinking of prep, prepping ourselves and, and fasting as one of them. You're yeah. right. And fasting from different things. Like maybe maybe you realize, hey, you know what? At night, I'm just sitting down after dinner and watching two and a half, three hours of television, yeah. Netflix or whatever. Maybe you say during Lent, I'm not going to watch any or I'll watch one hour or mm. one show. I mean, that's fasting. That's changing. Yep. And, and you, you take a little time and say, well, Lord, let me love you more. Yep. I mean, that's an idea of how to fast yeah. something different. And one thing it always does for me is it helps me see the other habits I have. Mm. And to be able to use this season to replace that with another habit that actually is uh, beneficial. So yeah. we're saying, I'm not going to go on Instagram. I'm not going to go on this right. social media right. or whatever. What's another one? I think, I think another thing you can do, like, again, thinking, okay, the 40 days of Lent preparing yep. for Holy Week. Maybe you add a different prayer practice into your daily routine, not just your morning quiet time or evening quiet time, whenever you do it. Maybe like three times a day, you get on your knees and pray the Lord's Prayer from your heart. Mm -hmm. Like just to say, Lord, for this time, I'm going to do that. Or you you find a Puritan prayer or or some other prayer and you you say, I'm going to pray this or I'm going to, you know, like I do think when you engage God more in your day intentionally, this is called a rhythm, a ritual, of, Amen. you know, a habit that moves your heart. And I think one that the, that the Lord gave me, it's a little bit shorter, and this was specifically for Holy Week. I found a great intimacy with the Lord by just reading the last seven days of Jesus' life with those seven days. So oh, wow. Palm Sunday. Just the Palm Sunday part. Yeah. You start there and you don't move on. And then you go to Monday and then you go Tuesday and then on to Good Friday and you get mm. the cross 
And then you get back to Sunday and it's the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hidden beauties I've found is when you do it this way, there's this anticipation and emotion that we often lose when we read it in one sitting. Yeah. Because the, the death of Christ and his resurrection is a page flip away. Mm. But it wasn't right. really. Right. And they had to sit in that. And there was yeah. the first time I did this, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get anything out of this. Mm. But yet the Lord showed up. Mm-hmm. And it's become this, this rhythm and, and like a, a yearly routine. Yep. Yep. That helps really cult, help me cultivate my heart before the Lord on this holy week. Mm. Ben, thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing that from your own experience. But also thank you for helping us and, and think about how Lent could change your life. Mm. You know, as we think of these rhythms and rituals and habits and routines that God uses to shape our characters and how Lent fits into that. Yep. Thanks for leading us on this. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, share. We'd love to hear it all. And um, join us next time as we come back. Blessings. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.